Welcome to season four of the Echo Podcast, where we uh, sit down with two other people and we talk about questions on faith, life, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We try to share our perspectives and kind of dive into these issues, and hopefully it's something that grows us all. Uh, Today's episode, we have two awesome guests with us. The first is Natalie Boonstra. She is a a hero of mine. Uh, She is an inspiration and a fashion icon uh, extraordinaire. She is incredible, and uh, she is a junior... Uh, student at Southern in public relations. Um, She has a passion for Jesus and a passion for others, and it's uh, really cool to see her heart for ministry and and for God. And excited for you to hear from her. She also is a part of the Flourish podcast, which is for Adventist women leaders in the North American division. So go check out Flourish. We'll include some links for you. And then our other guest is Benjamin Lundquist, who is the Young Adult Director for the Oregon Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He also works on that level for the North American Division and leads the Growing Young Project in the North Pacific Union. So someone who is very invested in young adults, he's someone that I met working at summer camp and someone who has a huge passion for summer camp ministries and pouring into them. And he also has a uh, awesome podcast called Rise and Lead, all about empowering leaders and leadership and understanding what your role as a leader is. And if you don't think you're a leader, you just might actually be one. And so go check out Flourish, go check out Rise and Lead, and I'm excited for you to hear from them on this episode. I'm Ryan Becker. Let's get started. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University. All right, so on this episode, all three of us are going to bear our souls uh, and our hearts out, uh, and we're going to, you know, jerk some tears out of people, and we're going to, um, we're just going to cry together. We've got a mega box of Kleenex tissues. No, we don't. Uh, that's not actually true. I'm not going to lie on a podcast, <laughs> um, especially not a religious podcast. Uh, but this is, this is a conversation that um, I'm actually grateful. Last night is when it was actually suggested to me. And I am glad that we were able to make this change from, not that I don't like the topic that would have been in this place, but this is a very, I I would say more immediately needed conversation uh, on vulnerability. And it is something that, I'll just be honest, this is something that I really struggle with. Like being vulnerable with someone else is really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when I do podcasting and when I do public speaking, Vulnerability on a stage is actually the easiest thing in the world because you're not risking anything. Um, at least you're not risking anything in the immediate moment. Um, you know, no one's talking back to you. You're not looking anyone in the eye. Um, in many in many venues where I've spoken, like the spotlights are so bright, you literally can't see past the edge of the stage. Um, you know, vulnerability on stage is super easy, but when it comes to in the moment, actually, you know, talking about how I feel or, um, you know, one of my first defense mechanisms is I'll make jokes out of those serious moments. Yes. Um, oh, are you saying that because I've done it to you or are you <laughs> saying that because you do it too? Both. Yes. Okay, yes. good. Um, but no, that is like one of my one of my default settings is humor and I've had to really, really try and rein that in over the years. Like I've been inappropriate with it. I have been, um, I've forced others into uncomfortable situations because of the jokes that I've made. Um, not like physical, but just like them feeling uncomfortable in general. Um, because I have the inability to, or I struggle to go, um, deeper into that because I don't like being in that space. And so I think even just for me personally, I'm looking forward to this conversation, but outside of that, I think I'm not the only one. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, I, I'm hoping that how we talk about this can both help personally and hopefully, you know, institutionally or systemically, um, or I guess communally, 
um, for us to build a better a culture that better understands and utilizes vulnerability. That's what I'm hoping mm-hmm. for. Um, so as always, let's define it. What would you say uh, or how would you describe what vulnerability is? And Ben, let's start with you. Yeah, you know, I think um, I'm not going to say I have a great working definition for vulnerability, but I, I would I would describe it in this way. I'm bringing your journey into the light hmm. and whether that's celebratory moments or struggles, but somebody told me, and it may have been Brene Brown in a book, but that we heal in the light, you know, mm-hmm. that when our, when our journey is able to be seen uh, by others, you know, and again, that that's not everybody, but in the right context that um, bring things into the light is really at the heart of vulnerability that I'm not going to hide behind this challenge or this insecurity mm. anymore or this mistake. But again, in the right context, I'm going to bring it to the light because we heal in the light and we can find power with some of those struggles mm. um, when we're able to bring that into those moments where the, mm. our struggle and life and journey can be seen by other people. Yeah. Wow, Natalie? I think that's beautiful. Um, For me, I guess it's just choosing to pull the things out of your heart that you have a hard time even addressing yourself um, Mm. and choosing to trust that with other people. Um, like you said, the joys too, things, things that you, things that go on in your head that you're like, nobody else would want to hear this kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I I guess I'd never, I I think I knew this at some level, but I never really considered it until you actually just, just spoke Ben. But, um, the idea that even the celebratory things are moments of vulnerability, Hmm. um, and the immediate thought that I had, or the immediate example I had is like, if you've ever like shared something exciting with someone and then they've gone, yeah, it's no big deal. Like they've, uh, you know, they've not responded in an affirming way or a way that yeah. like is on the same level as you. And that totally deflates you. Yep. Um, a moment where you share something and someone else has the ability, when you share something, you're giving someone else, you know, for better or for worse, an opportunity. Um, they have the opportunity to harm you. Mm-hmm. And even in those celebratory moments, someone can easily um, take the wind um, right out of your sails. And I've actually seen this the most with um, either um, I've seen it in mainly abusive parents. I've seen it in, you know, narcissistic parents or just manipulative parents um, who would, you know, every time their kids said, you know, I got uh, I got an A minus on the test. Well, it's not an A plus. I don't care. You know, like I tried, you know, I studied forever on the, you know, it's, it's this idea of no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be good enough. So even when they celebrate, they get the wind taken right out of their sails. And, and I never really thought about the celebratory moments as being vulnerable, but I think yeah. that's incredibly valid now that I'm thinking about it out loud. And I think, yeah, I think that's, um, and I used to be horrible at that. And I think, you know, what I have recognized looking back is I was stealing somebody's opportunity, mm. um, to receive joy yep. in the affirmation they were giving me. So mm-hmm. by me saying, oh, that wasn't a big deal, oh, whatever, it was nothing, mm-hmm. I have no idea the courage that it may have taken for that young person to come up to me maybe after mm-hmm. I preached on a stage and say, hey, that really moved me. Mm-hmm. And for me to say, ah, oh, that was no big deal, it's almost like I'm saying, what you're sharing with me doesn't have value and because what you say doesn't have value, you don't have value either. Yep. So, I th- yeah, I think for me that mm-hmm. I, I've been trying to grow in that as well, 
that being vulnerable, it is sharing those moments that are some of our biggest challenges, but it's also owning those God moments and giving God glory mm-hmm. by by being vulnerable enough to receive God praise through us to God when somebody is able to say, hey, Ryan, that podcast was incredible versus you saying, ah, oh, that was nothing. Ah, yeah, we'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. But receiving that and being vulnerable enough to open your heart up to receive, yeah. just like mm-hmm. opening your heart up to share. Yep. And I know, Natalie, you've, yeah, you had an incredible opportunity to share some of your story as well. And I hope we get into that on this episode. But well, now we have to. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to be like, I, I, it was the only reason I kept listening. What did she do? <laughs> we'll get there. Don't worry. Planting that seed. Yes. Well done, Ben. Um, you are now the host of Echo. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. And, and that is something that I struggle with, too, is receiving them. Uh, my girlfriend all the time tells me, like, would you just accept my compliments already? Like, I'm tired of this. Just <laughs> stop. Because I used it. What I, what I started doing to people, and this is what I mean by deflecting with humor, um, I started taking those old like kindergarten comebacks that we use and I started using them for compliments. So like, um, I know you are, but what am I? Someone says, Hey, you're so, you know, you're really cool. I know you are. What am I? Uh, or liar, liar, pants on fire when they like stuff like that. Like I, I, and I thought it was funny for a while, but then the more you do it. And at first it was cause you don't hear that a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it became something where I was actually actively deflecting genuine compliments. And that in itself was a, um, was discouraging to the person that's just trying to affirm and, and speak positively into my life. Like that is a real thing that has happened. So um, mm-hmm. I do appreciate that. Um, do you guys think, uh, it, I, so I do want to talk about this personally and systemically. Um, are there um, areas in our church culture where vulnerability, you know, more or less of it would be a good thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um Immediately, I'm starting to think of the kind of vulnerability that is looks like it could be vulnerability, but it's not. And that's sharing something to get a reaction out of people. Um, you're just kind of used to sharing this story, um, but you don't give like, you know, the term sob story where some mm-hmm. like like you you're sharing your story for the sole sake of, oh, I hope that everyone listens to me and understands how horrible I have it there's a space for that of course um but true vulnerability I think is a two-way street where you give the person the opportunity to then be like okay this is how what you're sharing affects me and let's work on it together Mm -hmm. I, I think that's huge especially with just the immense social media pressure mm-hmm. that we have where everybody is about you got to build your brand and you got to get x amount yeah. of followers and you got to be on TikTok and watch the clock and <laughs> yep. twitter and all this stuff <laughs> but i but i think there you're right natalie there can be almost like a manipulation mm-hmm of the sharing where it's not really coming from pure motives. Right. You know, if you're going to share um, a vulnerable moment, um, I think you share really as a way to serve other people. Mm-hmm. So there is a selflessness in sharing yeah. what you're going to share. And I, I love the, the quote that God does not waste your pain. Mm-hmm. So when you share you are sharing so you can hopefully serve that other person and maybe you can encourage them. I've had that addiction, but God helped me through that. Mm-hmm. Or I was wounded in this way, but God has helped me that wound mm-hmm. to be able to heal. But I think you're right. When it comes to 
when you prepare to share or you're going to share something from your life, just doing a real gut check, are my motives mm-hmm. pure mm-hmm. in being able to share this? And am I really looking at what I'm sharing as a means to serve the people around me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And if you are in a space where you do need help, just determining, okay, who are the people who invest in my life? And they're going to want to hear um, your pains and your struggles without necessarily getting anything from it. But I think what we're talking about is sharing publicly, like on social media and mm-hmm. a sermon, things like that. Yeah, I I think the one area I, I really do see there being a we need to rework what vulnerability is, is in the area of the way we regard church leaders and pastors, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily advocating for um, um for an increased amount of idolization of the pastor or anything. If anything, I think the idolization of leaders has caused us to not allow them to be human anymore. And so the idea that they would have any sort of journey or struggle has, has um, caused a lot of problems. It's made, um, it puts an unnecessary amount of pressure on them and uh, creates an environment. And, and, and I think I've referenced this on a different episode before, but those Every pastor knows the stories that they share when they want to talk about a serious sin, but they know that they can't ever admit that that was a serious sin they struggled with. So they tell some safe version of a vulnerable, uh, you know, safe mm-hmm. version of a story of when they sinned. But then it's one that they knew that their audience would accept. In other yeah. words, the, the, the pastor isn't as free to be as truly vulnerable as they would like to be because now their head might be on a chopping block if someone knew, oh, I um, struggled with this or I mm-hmm. did this. And I, I think that's a really good point, and <laughs> it makes me laugh because I think about the hidden message in the children's story. Yes, always. Like, wait a minute. That pastor was struggling with gluttony. That's why he or she was talking yep. about going to the fridge late at night. Ah, I know what's going on. But, yeah. but I, I think that brings up a great point that, you know, we as a church community, and I'm a church employee, so this I'm, I'm speaking for myself here, we as a church community, families, parents, I think we have really done a disservice in not um, counseling the journey of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we don't speak into how does somebody become vulnerable? What does that look like? And so I think for somebody, when you think about vulnerability, they have heard so little counsel on that or teaching. What comes to mind is I just have to publicly blurt out mm-hmm. whatever I've been keeping in my mm-hmm. inside of me. And I think that's that only is the tip of that conversation with vulnerability. There's levels of vulnerability. There's places that you become vulnerable mm-hmm. vulnerable in a different way. Vulnerability doesn't start on a stage correct it starts in the secret place Mm -hmm. with you and god in the morning Mm -hmm. and if you're not Mm going to be you know real in that relationship it's going to be a challenge for you to be vulnerable in other relationships that you have but I, i just think i'm really glad that you decided to lean into this topic because i think it's such a big one nobody ever counseled me in all the years of my life mm-hmm. on vulnerability, nothing. Yeah. And the only thing I knew was I'm going to relate to it by the way that I define it. But nobody, mm-hmm. even a mentor, nobody ever said, hey, Ben, here's how you can use vulnerability to help yourself heal and serve other mm-hmm. people. And I just never knew about that. So yeah. I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. I I think the the obvious next step here is instead of whatever I was going to ask next, next, 
I think let's actually jump into that then, because the last thing I want is anyone to listen to this and go, yeah, I, great. Are we going to get that? And then we never get to that. So right. um, I let, let's talk about these different levels of vulnerability or, or how do we even begin to be vulnerable? Right. I think um, th- there is a level of being vulnerable between you and God, but I think there's also mm-hmm. a level of being vulnerable between you and yourself. You can very much wall yourself off to yeah. yourself um, and not be honest with um, with the own problems and issues and even the good things too um, about yourself. There's, there's an adage. It uses a word that I, um, that I won't use on this podcast, but it, it is, uh, you know, if it smells like um, excrement everywhere you go, check under your own shoe. Hmm. Um, And there's a lot of people that because they've walled themselves so far off to themselves, they can't identify where in maybe many failed relationships or issues, they don't even realize that they're the common denominator. There might be something in their own heart that they really do need to address, right? And so um, it is being honest with yourself, I think, is one of those levels is learning to, and, and one of the ways you can do that is simply by asking your friends what they see, the people closest to you. What do you see in me that I may not see in myself, good and bad? Um, and being willing to receive that and wrestle with it, because it won't all be 100% true all the time either. Um, but yeah, what what would you say to someone, you know, what is some of that counsel that you would give or that you think should be given to people as they wrestle with this idea of vulnerability? I'm I'm going to reflect over to Natalie, <laughs> and I, I'm just curious about this because I was not at the message that you gave at Southern yeah. in the last week or week and a half yeah. that I heard took a huge amount of courage. Mm-hmm. People received it very well, but That's I'd be right. curious... How did you how did you process your own journey where you went from maybe you and God to being mm-hmm. able to stand yeah. up on a stage and share that experience in yeah. a public way? Reverse engineer that for us. Okay. What what did that look like? Absolutely. So the issue that I was vulnerable about was when I was ten, I was diagnosed with Madelung's, which is a congenital like wrist issue, um, which it's very very rare. Only like two percent of women have ever been diagnosed, and it's only been discovered within the last one hundred years. So I had the surgery. I don't have any pain, praise the Lord. But my arms are a little bit aesthetically different. They're not as long as um, most people for my height, things like that. Anyway, it's something that's visible on my body. Um, It's not something that has ever caused me to be like, oh, I'm like super, super different. But it's something that's like when it's addressed to me, it would cause me a lot of pain and um, cause me to go into a state of a lot of negative self-talk. Like, oh, how embarrassing for you. You're not worthy. Um, People are probably talking about this more than you think they are. Mm. Those kinds of things. Um, And so... In my own heart, um, having to deal with talking about it to the people that loved me, talking about it to my parents, to my very close friends, which is only something I've been able to do quite recently within the last few months even, is just um, so starting in the secret place with God and saying, I don't understand why I'm struggling with this pain. I don't know how to bring it to you, but I'm ready to bring it to you. And like, please help me work on this. And then in in that, he started showing me messages in the Bible about you're fearfully and wonderfully made. There aren't exceptions, things like that. And so just really accepting that Christ 
loves me and sees me as a whole individual no matter what. Um, so starting there, starting quietly with God um, and praying about it and praying over it. And that took a really long time, months. Mm. Um, my family obviously was very aware because they had helped me through the surgeries and things, but they weren't aware of how much I was beating myself up to say. Um, and so just being honest with them and being saying, listen, I've really, this is causing me a lot of pain, crying with them, um, them saying, we're sorry, we we're here for you. We think you're amazing. Things like mm. that. Um, and then going to my friends and saying, you've asked me questions about this before. I've shut you down, um, because I wasn't ready to talk about it, but like, I, I want to talk about it now. Um, I'm ready to explain what happened mm. and, and realizing that I don't have to do that with every single person in my life. Um, I just determining which people I feel like are in my inner circle and who care about me a lot and who genuinely just want to be in the more intimate parts of my life. Um, so, so doing those things. And then, um, when I was asked to speak, for the student week of prayer, I, so, so this, this surgery journey and things were always something that I thought that I would talk about later in life. Like Mm -hmm. when I was like 35 with children, um, (laughs) God willing, God, God, yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so I thought that I would talk about it, um, when I was much older, when I didn't have to stand up and face all of my peers, um, Mm -hmm. and say, this is what I've been struggling with. And then God just really put it on my heart. Like, everyone struggles with something everyone is um ready to hear a genuine person tell a story about how god has transformed the way that they think about themselves and so um i began to really pray about the issue that i had struggled with for the past few years um journaling a bunch just writing exactly how this instance made me feel um just really pouring it all out to god first um and then seeking my friends and saying i'm gonna talk about this publicly what have you noticed about me and my story like you said ryan earlier what what um do you feel like you could contribute to this things like that and then just um seeking the advice from people who have had to be vulnerable before and just getting over the fear honestly it was scary i the day of i just was like am i sure i'm gonna do this like can i just like run away like i don't i don't want to do this and just um just being super prayerful about it and god saying i have called you to share this don't like you said before don't waste your pain um it would be useless i think for me to have gone through this process of healing and then to just keep it to myself um god calls us to share what he's done for us and so just realizing that yes this is my story but it's about him Um, and so that gave me the strength Mm. to be able to stand up there and say listen this is my condition but i guarantee that you have a condition of pain too and so let's bring it to him together That's wow. uh, that's so good. Yeah, I'm just imagining like you dropping the mic, and I wasn't there. So I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> I was. She she okay. basically did. It was it was I'm, amazing. I'm thinking about you dropping the mic and just telling the student body, like your current situation is not your final destination. Mm. You know basically. that, and I don't I don't know how, how would you summarize what would be like a miniature summary of what you spoke into the student body. Yeah, that message. Yeah. So. 
basically saying, this is my pain. This is how I've struggled with it. I felt like no one could understand. Um, You probably feel like no one can understand. And then just saying, bring it to the Father. The theme of our week of prayer was run to the Father. So saying, run to the Father with your pain. Um, And then I was standing like on the stage and I was, you know, I was, I was crying. I was tearful. Um, And then I got off the platform, which was something a, a mentor told me to do. And, and I wanted to invite people to come to the front and bring their pain up to God with me. And so I got up from the stage and I walked down to where the pews were. Which was the funniest transition in all of history. (laughs) Because you had to run all, like this, they had the stage like extended out base. She had to run all the way back to the stairs, down then around an extension to the stage. It was the greatest transition in history and it was perfect (laughs) and it was right on for who you are. Like I loved every moment of your message. I'm so glad. I was nervous about it. Yeah, because I was in this like very like vulnerable, tearful moment and I was like, all right, just like give me a second. I'm like coming down there. (laughs) It's a good like ten seconds of us as she's like walk I'm just gonna walk on over here with purpose. Uh and she's just marching on over. It was great. I loved every moment of it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I was worried that I was gonna like kill the mood, so to say. And then I was like, all right guys, so I'm right here. And then I was like bring your pain to the front with me and just reassuring them that I was just as nervous to be up there as they would be to get up out of their seats to come do it with me to pray and praise the Lord people just so many people came forward to bring their pain Mm -hmm. to God and it was incredible watching him work and then having people after the fact be like thank you so much for being vulnerable Mm. and sharing your story Mm. it's giving me the opportunity to want to do the Mm. same thing and that's where I saw God working it was incredible you know one of the things that that you you mentioned is you know this is my story and 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 what it got me thinking about was one of the things that we we tend to we tend to do when it comes to our own stories is we tend to take on more responsibility than is actually ours in relationship. And here's what Mm -hmm. I mean by that. Your responsibility is to sharing your story, but you cannot control and it is not your responsibility for how someone else responds to it. And one of the things that I've realized is many of the times that I've been vulnerable and someone has responded negatively to it, it actually isn't out of negativity to me like it's not a rejection to me maybe mm-hmm. but it might be is they might be dealing with their own inner feelings of jealousy of um of you know I, I actually I think of one specific moment tiny moment where this happened where uh, a girl that I had dated told me that she was really good at Guitar Hero and I told her not as good as me um and she's like no I I probably am like it's not I I am um I was like, all right let's let's do this and uh, not one of my prouder moments, obviously. A uh, little bit on the sexist side of just assuming that I was going to be better than her. Mm. And uh, w- she whooped my butt hard. Like, <laughs> I had no chance against her. And she was like, yes, I won. I did it. I did it. And at the end of it, I said, um, I had said, yeah, but, like, did you or did I let you? Oh. And I and I didn't say one way or the other what I had done. I'd let, and, and what I had done was I just... Um, cut right in there and it was out of my own feelings of insecurity and jealousy and and um, my own just upsetness with my frustration with who I was in that moment and um, it had nothing to do with her but that but my own wrestling with me hurt her Hmm. and not okay not endorsing that for anyone in any way shape or form but that that's when I say Uh, When I say that, I'm saying that when you share with someone else, the way they respond is colored by their own experiences, their own view of themselves and how vulnerable they've been willing to be with themselves. And sometimes their own pain coming out is vulnerability. 
because that tells you exactly sometimes what they struggle with. Like you said, the hidden message mm. uh, in their response might actually be that they, you know, they really struggle with this. You say, oh, I, I, um, I beat my pornography addiction or whatever. And so it's, yeah, right. Um, and it's probably because in many cases, that's a person who's tried for years and feels like that's not, that's not even possible anymore. And they have to believe that because they've tried so hard and, and they, they just can't. And they, they have to believe that, no, there's something like you either got lucky or there's like this isn't possible and you're lying because mm-hmm. I can't do it. How could you? Right. And it's moments of self-preservation that that happens and, and understanding that it is not your responsibility to control how someone responds to you. It is only your mm-hmm. responsibility to be who you are. Yeah, um, that's huge. And I think, you know, being who you are and, and Natalie, you illustrated that so well. You have to steward your story. Yeah. yeah. And I and I think, again, the you know, we connect through story. And mm-hmm. you've had um, Caleb Caleb Isley on yeah. the podcast, yeah. who's done a lot with humans of Adventism and story sharing, but we connect through story. But I think I would just want to speak into somebody's life who's listening. Don't ever discount the story that you mm-hmm. have to share mm-hmm. that could be a source of hope for somebody else's life. And Natalie, what an awesome moment. I'm going to go find the video. I wish I knew somebody who was a, an employee of Southern who could connect me with well, that recording. Uh, right. I know. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll make it happen. Don't worry. Hey, is there a way that we is, can, can we get that link yeah, if, with if, the episode? If I'll it mean. is, yeah, no, we'll drop it. Um, if if Southern puts it up, uh, I'll make sure we, we have access to it. No problem. Are you listening, um, Southern? My Southern. parents oh, want to watch. They're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're listening. She, um, she's dropping a little nugget. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> I would just, just the comment on... I would I would add very little to the way you reverse engineer that exactly. journey of vulnerability. Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. was excellent. I, I think, you know, before you speak it on the stage, you have to speak it in the secret place yeah. and you have to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's what we often don't share in Christian conversation is that healing and forgiveness and processing this journey of vulnerability, it is hard work. And what I heard about your story, Natalie, is you mentioned you did the hard work of spending time with God in the secret place and Mm -hmm. putting on the identity Mm -hmm. as a daughter of God over and over and over every single day. And the hard work of, you even mentioned the hard work of journaling and Mm -hmm. processing that with your family before you really had the opportunity to get up on that stage and share that story. Right. And the healing process is not linear. Um, It's really easy to fall back into Mm -hmm. a pattern of negative self-talk. And even after you're vulnerable with every single possible person you could be, it's still going to take a lot of work to heal yourself Mm -hmm. and be um, accepting of yourself. That was a huge thing, Ryan, that I heard you say at the very beginning is that, you know, when it comes to, we have a call to be vulnerable with God in that secret place. Like, God, this is the, the struggle and the journey and what, I, mm-hmm. what I've been going through. But we also have to be vulnerable with ourselves mm-hmm. and be able to say on the daily, I am going to put on Christ mm-hmm. and I'm going to claim the words that God has mm-hmm. spoken over my life. And I'm going to be vulnerable with myself in that way. And I think part of me, if I'm just being honest, for much of my life, I believed a lot of lies about myself that were not real. Yep. And I'll just say this, if what you are believing over your own life is not in harmony with God's word, it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to call that out. And I think being vulnerable, as you mentioned, Ryan, with yourself 
is being real enough to say, no, that's a lie. Mm -hmm. Like that is a lie. I'm devaluing myself. I'm undermining the worth and value that God has given me. And I have to be vulnerable with myself enough to bring to light the lies that I have spoken over my life and just call those out. Like that's not who I am and be able to be that. And then, yeah, I think just finding, starting with a small community, finding a small community, maybe it's one-on-one. I've had an accountability partner. His name is Vince for 17 years. Mm -hmm. And we met at Southern. Mm -hmm. I, you know, was, it was part of the tuition guarantee that you'd come out with a great accountability partner. That's not yeah. true. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and if you're a Theo major, you come out with a wife. That's the, that was the, that was the rule. But, I failed. Uh, <laughs> so they funny. took my degree back. Maybe a nurse or a teacher, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, it'll happen one day. But uh, I've been able to journey with Vince in that way, and it happened organically. It, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't – I didn't order Vince off Amazon uh, searching for accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was that – that initial step from the secret place and being vulnerable with mm-hmm. myself where I now on a regular basis was going to share and bring to light my journey, successes and failures yep. into a relationship mm-hmm. with somebody else. And Vince and I, we connect to this day almost every Friday and we ask each other the questions that nobody wants mm-hmm. to be asked that you need to be asked questions like for us, um, are you are you loving your wife like the most important woman in the entire world? Mm-hmm. Um, have you succumbed or fallen to any kind of temptation mm-hmm. this week? Have your eyes wandered? Are you being engaged as a father figure? Mm-hmm. Are you leading your family well? Are you taking care of yourself physically? But so I think for me, you start with you and God, and then you start with the reflection of yourself Mm -hmm. that you see and you've got to be vulnerable with yourself and then you begin to expand that journey to a single person Mm -hmm. that you can be vulnerable with successes failures and then maybe you move to a small core group of people and then maybe it's a small group and then maybe it's a church community but i think there are people that have had so little counsel about vulnerability they think the first step is just to let the world hear it from a stage. Mm -hmm. And the reality is if you're sharing it from a stage for the first time, the healing has probably not happened for you to be able to share that from a place of progress from your pain. And it usually doesn't go over really well. And you mentioned, I mean, Ryan for the pastor who shares their secret struggle for the first time from the pulpit, that should never have happened. I'm not going to say that God didn't lead somebody to do that. But I think there is a progression where you start in the secret place mm-hmm. and then it's mm-hmm. you it's you reflecting yeah. with yourself and then it's you and that accountability partner yeah. and that core team. And I would imagine if you were to look at the life of Jesus, Jesus engaged in multi-layers of community. Jesus mm-hmm. did not share with the crowd what he shared with the disciples. Mm-hmm. And he did not share with all the 12 what yeah. he shared with Peter, James, and John. Yeah. And he didn't share with Peter, James, and John what he may have talked about with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I think there are different layers Mm -hmm. of community that we share with when it comes to that journey of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I would actually... I would actually caution too. In, in addition, in going off exactly of what you said, that 
um, you are not we are not just the stewards of our stories we are the stewards of others stories and one thing that happens with a lot of people who experience the healing power that being vulnerable and the results of that can bring they get really excited and then they do want to spill everything out and the problem is that there are other individuals that are in your story whether a hero or a villain that um, that have not given you permission to share their role in that story and if you're so it, vulnerability does not mean giving every single detail of a story it just means being authentic mm -hmm. to the, the substance of what has happened yeah. um, an example I can give uh, this is a hard one to give examples for because otherwise I would be violating the trust that I have with other people and their stories that I'm stewarding but one example I can give is when a, a, a really good friend of mine my freshman year of college and I decided to become accountability partners around um, around pornography addiction and this was not the end of the fight for either of us, um, but it was a, a, a huge step forward for both of us. And um, one of the things that we would always do, we lived down the hall from each other in the dorm, and um, we just kind of had a rule of um, if one of us was struggling with temptation or whatever, we just go down the hallway, knock on the door, and bring our laptop with us or whatever, and just we just be in their room and just do continue mm -hmm. doing homework, yep. whatever. Yep. We're not talking. We're just existing in this space because I know that if I stay alone or if I stay in this space alone, I'm going to fall to that temptation. Um, I can talk about that story. I can't tell you who that person is. That's that's what I mean when I say that like vulnerability has a limit, and that limit is when you are violating the um, the vulnerability that is shared just in the experience that you have with someone else. There are stories about my family, about friendships that I cannot tell, that I just have to tell you, trust me when I say I have dealt with this thing, or I've dealt with resentment, or I've dealt with this, and I can't, it's not fair to the other people. They have not given me permission to share that story. And it would be violating the trust and the responsibility I have to be not only a steward of my life and my story, but a steward of theirs as well. So there definitely is, uh, we have to be responsible in the way that we go about our vulnerability and, and mm -hmm. understand, and that's why it does need to start in that secret place, because that's where you start to build that responsibility. And if you've processed it and done that hard work, it becomes easier that when in those moments when you do need to share, you're not as tempted to just blurt out everything. Right. Um, and actually harm cause harm by vulnerability. And I, I think that's a great point, Ryan, that, you know, you, you have to steward your story, but like you said, you have to steward the effect that your story mm -hmm. might have on somebody else. And and I, if you, um, like Natalie, you had the courage and the God-led journey to share that at Southern, mm -hmm. and when you have those offstage moments where you have the few people that stayed by because they really want to talk with you about that, many of them are going to, going to want to ask, share with me, how did you work through this? Yeah. And if you have never gone through that process, you really don't have anything to share with somebody except right. the bomb of vulnerability that you mm -hmm. dropped, and then you walk away. Mm -hmm. And somebody's like, how do I do it? I, I want to be able to experience some of that healing. And so I think part of doing the hard work of the process and again, it's it the, the timing is it's God's responsibility with the timing. Yeah. But being able to do the hard work so that when that is shared, you can offer people some of the hope of yep. here's how I walk through this. I mean, just what you said, Ryan, about in college, the accountability partner and going to each other's rooms, if you had never done that, you could somebody could share an addiction, but you don't share any hope. Mm -hmm. of practical steps on how somebody can move forward. Yep. So I think you do the hard work, you do the process, which is never going to be ending. You're always mm -hmm. we're always going to be processing 
stuff. I'm always processing. I have no hair every day. I'm like, oh, I gotta process this some more. But <laughs> I'm graying and I'm 26. You know, I'm, I'm processing. You it. also have a you have a beautiful beautiful beard there Aww. too, Ryan. You know? Hey, you are a beautiful human being. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I mean that in every way, shape, and form. Thank you for speaking that into my hey, life. How <laughs> precious. Into my life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just you know, I think there is so much hope um, for leveraging vulnerability for our yes. healing and for the service of other people. Mm. And so I think look at vulnerability through the lens of intentionality. Yeah. And nobody, I don't know what this podcast episode is gonna do for anybody, but I can tell you nobody ever spoke into my life mm. what has been shared around this table. Yeah. And I wish somebody would have 20 years ago. Because yeah. Yeah. I think I, w- I could have processed things more efficiently and yep. been farther along. Mm-hmm. So thank yeah, thank you for bringing up this topic. Yeah. Um, and Nally, so that you're not left out, um, yeah. and I mean this in like, as like, um, as uh, what's uh, platonically as possible, <laughs> um, so that no one takes that the wrong way. You are also beautiful um, in every Thank way, shape, you. and form, um, and I want you to know that. And that is something. That's why I. Okay, so Natalie and I met uh, over Twitter. And yeah. um, the way that we met in person was because of Twitter. She had been talking about candy and Skittles. And yeah. I wa- she had talked about how the purple Skittles are her favorite Skittle. The best. So I went on this random, and I'd never met, I knew she was a student at Southern, and I was still pastoring in South Carolina, but we had just connected randomly through mutual friends on Twitter. Yeah. And I saw this, and my first thought to do was, all right, I'm going all out here. <laughs> so I went on some random, um, this was actually, I don't know that you know this, uh, I went on this random wedding website. Uh, because that's how you can get, you know how people do themes and color themes for their weddings and stuff? Turns out that's how you can get specifically colored Skittles. Um, Let's say you're doing a big blue wedding. You can get the, you know, whatever, red, whatever. So I found a website that that had those options, and I was able to get a bag of just purple Skittles. It was probably the equivalent. It was, I don't know, it was a medium-sized bag or something. Something that wouldn't cost more than a couple dollars at... um, at like a gas station, it cost me $36 and it was worth every penny because I literally was <laughs> so like, good. come over. I had was running a booth after a Vespers over at Southern talking about, you know, church options after college. And I was like, come over real quick. And I pulled it out and gave it to her. That was the first time. Hi, I'm Ryan. Here's a bag of purple Skittles for you. Greatest moment ever. But honestly, yes. since that, like you are someone who is incredible and amazing. Aww. And I do love your story and I love you as a person. Um, and yes, you are beautiful inside and out. So please know that. Thanks, Ryan. Love uh, you. Okay. Thanks for uh, supporting me and encouraging me. Of course. Um, so one one thing I want to end on here. Um, ah, forget time. Uh, is <laughs> um, how can we respond well to when someone else is vulnerable to us? Um, I that mm-hmm. isn't I. I I wouldn't feel that we would do this question, this this topic justice if we don't give something practical for how do we create that space in our own personal life, interpersonal relationships to allow vulnerability and to accept vulnerability when it comes. I would just say try and understand how they must be feeling sharing with you and try and put yourself in their shoes and think what would I wish someone would do for me or just simply ask them, you've shared this with me, how can I best support you? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge. The first thing that comes to my mind is it's just the idea of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where sympathy says, I feel sorry for you, but empathy says, I'm going to sit on the curb and mm-hmm. I'm going to put myself in your shoes and I'm going to try to understand 
what you're going through. And I think when somebody shares something that's vulnerable, being able to affirm that I have understood as best I can. We're never going to understand somebody's story 100%. But I've understood from my perspective what I can understand about your story. And I just want to affirm Mm -hmm. that I have heard your story. And there's so much healing Mm. that takes place just in knowing that your story has been heard. And then I think being able to just, yeah, follow up with a question of what would you like me to do now? How can I support you a, yep. a little bit further um, with with this journey? And and I think offer support that is um, appropriate for the context and the relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being aware of offer the support that you can based on how long have you known that person, how intimate is your relationship, mm-hmm. how good of friends are you. You're going to offer support long term to a lifelong friend in a different way than you're going to offer to somebody that you've just met after a Vespers program at Southern. So just knowing the context, but yeah, yeah, practice that empathy. Let people know that I've heard your story. Your story matters. Mm -hmm. And then being able to, yeah, yeah, ask them, how do I support you? How do I support Mm -hmm. you long-term? I think uh, the the two things I would add to that in this plays directly off of what you've said, but uh, know when your commentary is the proper response, which is almost never, to be honest, but um, know that, you know, understand when they are asking for your commentary or advice on something versus when they're opening up. Um, The way that you respond is incredibly important and they may not need or want your commentary. Even if your commentary is 100% right, it does not matter if they're not in the place that they can receive that. And acknowledging the courage and bravery it took to even share is the first and foremost, the, the most important thing. Um, the second thing I would say is this is something I put into practice in my own life because I realized that I was doing it to others, uh, which is everyone thinks that their issue or their problem is the exception, right? Oh, you'll accept me if I do these things, but if you knew this one thing that I do, no, it's out. Uh, you know, I know you or I know your type of person, whatever. Um, and I would do that to people. I'd say, no, I, you know, this is the one thing that I would be rejected for. So with my friendships, um, one of the things that I started doing was whether it was randomly reaching out or just in general or just, you know, as conversations allowed it, I started just saying, hey, I just want you to know, um, you know, if there is and I would do this early in relationships, if there is something that you are struggling with or whatever. And then I would start to list out and cast a super wide net um, because in, in the hopes that I name whatever that struggle is. So I'd say whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's pornography, whether it's lying, whether it's, um, you know, uh, self-esteem or, you know, maybe, you know, whatever it is. And I say, I don't assume or think any of those are Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not going to assume your story for you, but I want you to know that like those and more, (laughs) um, I I want you to know 100% if any of those are your story or a part of your story, know that like nothing changes in my mind about who you are um, and you are safe to share and to talk and and know that I'm not going to judge you in my opinion of you. If anything, I let them know that like my opinion of them will increase and my respect for them will increase um, just by virtue of them being willing to share. I think, I think that's, I just got to lean into one thing you said, which I think is so powerful and thank you for saying time doesn't matter so we can keep talking. (laughs) But um, production staff loves me. Yeah. (laughs) I think that was a great comment you made, Ryan, that, um, you don't have to solve somebody's problem. Yeah. You know, and I think the pressure of if somebody is vulnerable, I have to offer them a solution. You don't mm-hmm. have to offer them a solution. And I heard this great quote, listen to understand, mm-hmm. don't listen to respond. Mm-hmm. 
And the most important priority in the moment is that person, and it's that person's story. And so you're not trying to, in your mind as you're listening, having this conversation about how am I going to respond? How am I going to solve their problem? No, just be present. Just be present. Let the Holy Spirit lead this conversation. Take off Mm. the pressure that you have to solve this person's problem and let them direct the conversation. If the Holy Spirit opens up a door, speak in, into that door. And I, I, I will say this, and I think this would be applicable when you really have earned the right to speak into somebody's life. This would not be somebody, I, w- I wouldn't say that. I may say this to a stranger, but, <laughs> I, did, but I just want to preface it by saying that. Yeah. I do not think we are, we are called to be sympathetic to lies that people are speaking over their own life. And I think we do people a disservice to say, oh, I feel so sorry for you. No, that's a lie. You are believing something over your own life that is not in harmony with what God has spoken over your life. Mm -hmm. So I think as we earn the right to be heard, as those moments are led by the Holy Spirit, don't give sympathy to lies Mm -hmm. that people are believing about themselves, of being able to say, I love you, and because I love you, I'm going to tell this to you. Mm -hmm. You are devaluing yourself by your perspective and mindset, and that's not in harmony with what God has spoken over your life. What God has said is that you are a child of God, um, that you are a son and a daughter, that you have every bit of possible value Mm -hmm. in your life, that you have ever been given right now. You don't earn it. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't lose it. Claim what God has mm-hmm. spoken over your life. And so I think there's, I think there are many moments as I look back as a listener to somebody being vulnerable, I missed those opportunities to speak mm-hmm. the word of God into somebody's life in, in a way that's appropriate for that context. Yeah. And I walked away saying, oh, I'm so sorry you think about, think think that way, yeah. you're feeling that way. And I wish I would have had the courage in the moment to say, because I love you and because I believe in you, I believe that I'm gonna, I need to speak the word of God over your life mm-hmm. and here's what God says about you. And whether you give God credit or you just speak mm-hmm. it, yeah. God gets the credit no matter what. I got a great friend who, motiv- he's a motivational speaker all over the world, and he says in so many contexts, I can't use God's name, so I just speak scripture over somebody's life without giving God mm-hmm. credit, and I feel like God's okay with that. Mm. There was um, two things as we close out. Um, there was actually just, just a week ago, I was talking with a young girl um, who was in a very abusive and manipulative relationship and uh, had been in that for over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, all of her friends, everyone around her and in her life was telling her, and she knew like this was not the best relationship for her. Um, it never been a physically abusive relationship. I do want to clarify that at least, um, which those in many cases are in, 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 in some ways more dangerous because it's not as e- it's not the evidence isn't as easy to spot and, and see and, and you can write off the the intangibles right um, and as she was sharing with me she had you know she had shared with me that um, that there were several aspects of herself that she really struggled with and even though she knew that she needed to leave she didn't know if she had the strength to and and um, you know really wrestled with even her own view of herself um, and I know of people who will date someone because they think this is the best I can do, right? This mm-hmm. is all like, you know, they'll settle for less because of that. 
Um, and in that moment, I was able to tell her as someone who does work with youth and someone who works with young adults as a mentor, um, I had told her I'd known her for the last year and I told her, look, I just want you to know that n respectfully, none of that is true about you. None of what you're saying about yourself is true. That's good. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, the reason that I connect with certain youth and young adults and maintain a relationship with them is simply because I see potential in them. I see um, amazing things in their future and I want to see them unlock that potential and utilize it. And that's like, yes, you're a cool person, but that's why I've stayed connected with you is because I believe that and I want to do everything I can to empower that in you. Um, I said, you are not this and you are whatever you want to be. Yeah. Um, and if you want to be more, um, and if you don't like who you are now or, or and you don't want to believe those things about yourself, then then it's time to start taking those steps um, to be that person. Um, and there was more to that. I mean, that was a two hour conversation that um, that continued. But basically, I'm, I'm, I mean, the next day that relationship ended. Mm. Um, and now that means that there's a whole grief and healing process that is coming. And there's a lot of stay strong and don't go back and don't listen to the manipulation uh, luckily, I had the knowledge to be able to then identify as she would share with me things he was saying to say, nope, that's textbook. Like, I know what's happening here. Don't take this for more than it is. Um, and but that is someone who experienced true healing in a moment of vulnerability um, where I was able to speak into their life and say, no, don't believe the lies about you that you're telling yourself or that he's telling you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I wanted to put some from very kind of uh, an example or something specific to it. Um, and the last thing I would say to anyone who is listening um, is if you're looking for resources on vulnerability, um, just know you will go down a rabbit hole. So I'm just going to tell you the rabbit hole to start with is Brene Brown. Look up TED Talks, Brene Brown, vulnerability. Uh, she will change your life. She will wreck you. Um, and she's amazing. Um, but go check out uh, any of her content. Um, it is really good. No that she is, does not have the same Adventist values. Uh, she may um, drop a swear word here and there. I just want to, you know, give that disclaimer. Um, she's not like, like, you know, this filthy mouthed person. Just know, like, she isn't an Adventist or anything. She is a Christian, I believe. I think so. Um, but she has amazing things to say about vulnerability. All of mm -hmm. her research is in vulnerability. So she's talking from an academically, uh, you know, an academic position. Um, once you start opening that door, let the YouTube algorithm take you down the rest of the vulnerability um, rabbit hole because it will um, it absolutely will and uh, the other thing that I do want to share is this um, we tend to only we tend to overvalue the serious stories like drug addiction alcohol whatever um, and what we've created is a culture where people who don't have those stories are also afraid to just even admit that they don't have those stories they'll think people are thinking they're liars or that they're hiding or not being vulnerable and so I want to say to someone who doesn't have the the, the, the grand conversion story or whatever um, know that your story is just as valued and appreciated and needed and if anything um, not that I want to devalue any other stories here too but like the story of someone who never has that temptation, who never falls to those things, and who's just had a solid relationship with God their whole life. Like, that's the ideal. I wish I had that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wish I didn't have some of the story that I do. Granted, what I've been able to do with it, what God has been able to do with it has been amazing. But I just want you to know and, and to be affirmed that no matter what your story is, it is valuable and you mm -hmm. are loved by God. And there is a reason that you have the story that you do. Um, so that's great. Um, mm -hmm. Ben and Natalie, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts Any and, and for sh being vulnerable on this podcast as well. We'll include all the links that we can in the description and everything. But any final words that you want to leave before we before we close this one? Jesus loves you. He called you for a purpose. Hmm. Amen. Yeah, I think uh, nothing really to add. 
um, just that you have incredible worth and value and your story matters Mm -hmm. and steward your story well. And um, yeah, God has a great next chapter for you. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, I hope that this has been um, powerful for you and encouraging for you. And um, please let us know uh, what your thoughts are and and how you've responded to this, um, whether that's in comments, sections, or reviews, whatever that may be. Um, But we want to hear your story as well. So thank you so much for being on this journey with us, for hearing our stories as well. And we'll see you next time. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay up to date with new episodes as we release them and for more awesome content from Project Refresh, a ministry of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. And don't forget to like and leave a comment. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University.